Frank, I'm pretty sure that I just saved you a whole bunch of money every single month, and you are so welcome. Are you taking credit for this? James, I love you. And maybe you should actually take credit for this. I don't remember the history of everything, but what are you talking about? I'm pretty sure that I said, Frank, we're in a global pandemic. Why do you have an office that you're never going into? Stop paying money and just work from your house. That's what I do. That's what you should do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what we're talking about, right? So for the last two weeks, um, your advice has made me do so much work, James. So much paperwork, so much physical work. Um, It's all for the better, I believe you. But yeah, this is something that I've been both proud of and embarrassed about for my entire career is that I've always paid for uh, external office outside from my house. So I don't go insane was usually what I told myself. That's not actually why I got the office in the very beginning, but the pandemic's changing everything. You're right. Time to go. Yeah. And this is our obligatory work from home episode. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. And, uh, you know, we're, we'll talk a little bit about, I think, maybe why you had the office, but also maybe some of the changes that led you to abandon such office and how you are shifted in this, in this time too. I'm, I'm actually very fascinated because when I first started working from home in the Xamarin days, it was a very large mental shift for me. And I was really lucky and privileged that a lot of what I did for work was travel. So even though I lived in Seattle, I lived out of a suitcase in a bunch of random <laughs> hotels, kind of like, you know, up in the air. I was just zooming all over the place. And over the last few years, I've shifted more towards working from home, but I'd go into the office every few days. And that to me was always not much fun because it was far away. And I'd take buses, mm. the connector buses, and it was like two hours out of my day. I know that I'm literally complaining about commutes that people have every single day, but when you're used to working from home and you're like, got to get on a bus for two hours, it's a big transition. And again, it's a free bus, super privileged, going to thank Microsoft for the connector. Um, But now we're in a global pandemic and Heather and I are both working from home. And that has shifted a lot of also what I consider work from home because work from at work from home pandemic is very different from work from home. So I kind of figured that maybe we would talk a little bit about that. Uh, now that I've sort of set up some of what happened <laughs> to you and what you're going through and sort of how hopefully I can contribute to this conversation. So you don't have to carry the whole thing, Frank. Does that sound okay? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could talk for 30 minutes about moving large, obnoxious size pieces of office furniture in a tiny little rabbit car, but you know, we can talk about other things too. Um, it's so funny what you mentioned about the uh, bus commute, because I think um, a rational person, when they decided I'm going to get an office outside of the house, they might get one perhaps nearby their house. So they have easy access to it and all that. I put my office far, far away from me across a giant lake and a floating, floating bridge that you have to cross. So I was living in one town and I rented an office in um, Seattle and I forced myself to commute. I, for the oddest reason, I decided I want a commute and I am going to get on a bus. James, I think it's one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life, but the good side of it is I got an office in a pretty cool spot of town and I loved going to the cool spot of town and hanging out there all day. Yeah, I enjoyed your office. I've been there many a times. We've hung out there. And 
it is in a really cool, it's in a different part of town. So I, what I appreciate about, wow. about going into an office is like, it's different than being at home, right? Yeah. And I wanted the neighborhood to be different. So I was living in not suburban, but you know, <laughs> suburban trying to be urban kind of area. And I picked, um, do you remember, did I have a giant office when you met me or a little one? Ooh, you know what? You were in the U district above mm-hmm. across from the street from Tai Tom. The restaurant. Yeah, okay. Tom well, I've had two offices in that building. That's why I was asking. It was um, the one because... that got broken into. The whole building. Oh, wonderful. Got into. Right. That's what I remember. Yeah. I lost a lot of good hardware in that. Hmm. Sad times. That's a cost of an office in a cool spot of town, unfortunately, with giant windows that look out onto a street just showing off all your fancy Apple hardware. Turns out that might not be a great idea. You know, small lesson learned in life there. But um, I actually got an office for a completely different reason. I was working from home for three years to the point where I had like a desk in a bedroom kind of working from home. Mm-hmm. And that is the worst. And I was going stir crazy. I wasn't going out to see friends. I was becoming a true hermit of myself. And so um, my office became, I think we called it once an aspirational office, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> um, but I actually had um, legal reasons to do it too. At the time I was running um, a consulting company. I had lots of employees and they needed a home base for everything to operate out of. So from the very beginning, although I was semi-miserable working from home constantly uh, for legal reasons, that's why I actually got an office. Got it. Yeah, th- that that does make a lot of sense. And it's nice to have a very separate landing spot for you. If you have clients over, for example, you maybe don't want them to go into your bedroom that, right. <laughs> you know, that has or your personal space. It's very different. Additionally, if you have you know, calls and you're on video chat, you may not want everyone to see your background, which is often why you either see a complete white wall behind me or you see mm-hmm. like a lattice behind me. So you don't know what's behind that, that, uh, that, that fence, right? Or you behind you is just your works, you know, work, uh, electrical stuff. And, but you don't see the, the living room, the bedroom, things like that. And I agree that at home, at least there are some good places and some bad places for most of my life, my home office was in the, uh, I've had mostly open concept kitchen living room areas. Cause I lived in very small places in Seattle, still live in small places in Seattle. <laughs> and most of my places were just me and I would have kitchen desk, you know, living room. And, uh, that was always hard because it was so close to everything that I do. And the computer was always there kind of staring you in the face. So I think we've talked about this before where, where I live now, it's the first time that I've had a dedicated second bedroom where I do split it with Heather, but she on tradition would go into the office. So it'd just be me at home. And that's very lovely, um, to, to, to handle that. And even now I'm in, I'm in the office, but she's in the living room area because we're both managers. So we're both on the phone all the time. So, there's complications there too, uh, which is funny, but so you needed it because you had employees coming over, needed a landing spot for them, probably had clients. Uh, I believe you also had a video produced by Xamarin when I (laughs) out, if I remember, you remember that 
Uh-huh. That was exciting. That was a crazy day. Um, I don't know who decided to do that, but someone at Xamarin called me and said, someone's going to come over and videotape you while you talk. And I'm like, great. <laughs> Never done that before. seems really crazy. But that was actually a really fun experience. And you're right. That was in, I'm going to call that office number one. Uh, the little office that was so nice because it was in a cool part of town and it was actually cheap like an actual cheap office in a cool part of town. Can you imagine? Um, but no, that was, that was I fun. Cannot. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't exist anymore. That was fun. A photographer came over. I was like, look, I'm using my office for <laughs> a professional thing. Cause actually at that point, that's when I was doing less um, consulting contractor work and started app development. Look at that apps. You know, it's funny. Um, I was thinking how, when I go to like modern office buildings in the before times, you know, pre-virus, uh, everyone would try to make their offices kind of homey, kind of comfortable, bring in, you know, pictures of the family at a plant or something. I was the opposite. I would try to make my office as, <laughs> as office space as I could. <laughs> I wanted like, I wanted the most generic everything and I wanted it to feel just like such a foreign place. And I loved it because I could concentrate there because there was nothing interesting there. There was nothing to do but do interesting things on my computer. I think that's where I'm failing today. I'm surrounding myself with interesting stuff that's so distracting. Mm. Whereas before it was just just think like an empty what it wasn't empty because I love furniture and I love decorating, but it was for all intents and purposes empty. And I love that creating that space. There is something about a focused location, which often can be your office if you decide if you're not going to bring too much in, or a good example is a co-working space, which who knows if those will ever exist again. But <laughs> when I started at Xamarin, I had thought about uh, in getting a co-working space. And this is a, a, an area in which you rent a desk for all intents, like you were renting a, a proper office. You had a door, you could shut the door. Yeah. And, and it was a, it was an area that was all yours it was all yours the whole thing Uh, it was it's never perfect though like i had a call center move in next door to me once that was obnoxious and terrible that that was the weirdest i don't even remember how long it was in my head it was like 10 years but it was probably like six months to nine months whatever like a short-term lease is Mm, yeah Uh, didn't you have some guitarists and some other artists that would <sighs> produce from there. again so this okay. is how, how do i discuss this without sounding like a complete jerk i don't know how i can tell this story but there was a wonderful street band that decided to set up shop right below my window and actually across the street so the acoustics were perfect they were just coming mm. right at me and their style of music involved playing the same song all day in the same loosey-goosey jazz style of like Rush or one of those, ter- oh, almost did it, or one of those bands. <laughs> and But it was all like freestyle rap also. So that lasted for three months. And I thought I was going to go insane hearing the same song over and over and over all day long. James, now, it was I got to say that this is not a mutually exclusive um, a thing that can occur in a, in a co-working building where you have a, a desk or an office that you, you rent because here at home in beautiful Seattle, <laughs> Washington, we have luxurious neighbors that just stomp around nonstop. And last night, 5am, a crying baby all night 
just wrecking her next door. Not not our cute baby. Cute little baby. Oh, no. cute little baby crying. Oh, the baby's, you should be able to sleep through baby crying at this age. Come on. That, that baby has been crying. <laughs> it's right next to our head. It's terrible. Uh, oh. But but we have people stomping around all, all, all day. They quiet down around 8 p.m. Yeah. But, you know, there is that. A, you have to think about that. It's just one additional thing because you're not in a... A right. space that is your office. I guess you could be in an office. By the way, you could be like we could be at Microsoft, and there could be things that are deterring us. So I guess no matter what, you can't win. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, but at Microsoft, you'll have a manager. You can complain to the mm. manager. They'll complain to their manager. That's when true. you're renting an office, you got the building manager and your re- relationship with them. It's like yeah. how much booze have you bought them lately? <laughs> have you sent flowers lately? You know that kind of stuff. I, f- um, I yeah. feel like a, I feel like a co-working space, which I, n- I never investigate. I've gone to a few WeWorks to do presentations at and attend some, but I investigated. But they're expensive. They're you know you're renting a desk area for a th- you know permanent for like three hundred and fifty bucks a month. You're like, wow, that's so expensive in Seattle because you're in Seattle. Yeah. I, in that instance, I assume that there's some protocols because you're in and around people uh, in general. But then I I thought about it this way. One, I'd have to be paying for this additional service when I worked at Xamarin instead of just working from home. But then you, you, you probably can't really leave your stuff there. And it, that was always um, my issue. You could, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, after moving out of this office, I found that I have been a complete pack rat for the last 10 years. Now, the WeWorks always came in, <clears throat> excuse me, in two different kinds of forms. There was like the communal workspaces, and then they had private offices. And I said that in a way that you can see the scare quotes around it, right? Quote, quote, private offices, because literally, James, the office walls were plexiglass, were mm. clear. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, as much as I um, I like the idea of like communal kind of spaces, sharing your art, you know, getting to talk with other people, I guess I was personally looking for something else. I was looking for, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I was looking for. A, a separate place. Some, a door. Someplace quiet. Yeah, a door. But it's funny, like, the office I ended up in, I, you, you were definitely in the latest office, mm-hmm. and that one had cement trucks going all day long, and it had um, a forklift driver that I think drove only in reverse, such that it would always beep. I don't think forward mode worked on this forklift. It was just always beeping all day. And yet, I found it very frustrating for like maybe the first week. But at the same time, those became the sounds of my office. And I started associating them with work. I'm like, look, all these cement people are literally lifting rocks and crushing them. And someone else is speeding around backwards on a forklift. I should be working too. (laughs) So you have been working there for how many years at this point? I'm going to guess... We have known each other for five years. I think that's about right. All right. Um, Yeah, that question's actually a little bit important because they gave a little discount in May because of the virus, and it depended on how long you've been there. So it's actually a little contentious issue. I need to find out exactly how long I've been there. But yeah, it's been a... And also, I, I, I apologize to everyone for implying that time exists again. Of course, time does not exist right now. But technically, on some old-fashioned calendar, yeah, about five years. Uh, 
And you know, I didn't think I was going to make it, but the last office I found ended up being a very sweet spot of, like I said, I was still around a buzz of people, but I was able to afford a larger space with lots of windows and it was very freeing and messy and fun. Um, It was... It was great. After paying a lot of money for a bigger space in a cooler part of town, this was in a more industrial part of town. What I guess I'm getting at is it's good to get out of the house. (laughs) It is good to get out of the house, but you have decided to stay in the house. Am I correct? I have. I have. So (laughs) it's funny that that was the segue. (laughs) Um, But it wasn't really me. You convinced me, James. Why did you convince me? No. Okay, so everything, okay, everything I just said is all true. I I mean every word of it. But the really cold reality of it is, even before the virus, I was going in for probably four days out of a month, Mm. and paying a lot of money to be able to go there for four days out of the month. And so the virus brought clarity <laughs> as in, well, if I was going so rarely and I'm uh, quarantining at home, then uh, this really is a luxury and a luxury that's not even a luxury because it's not being luxurious anymore. In fact, it was kind of turning worse as some luxuries go. It was becoming a guilt complex. You know, if you ever bought a boat, it starts as a luxury and then becomes a guilt complex. So, you know, that's how it goes. It's true. In fact, you know, where we're at right now, uh, Heather used to love the one or two days a month she'd get to work from home for her company. And now that we're working from home all the time and the neighbors, they moved upstairs just a little bit before the before it's all about the, the neighbors it's all you could just start a sitcom at this point i mean when you think of it you are kind of impacted by a lot of that a lot of everything around you so you think of the the things that you were thinking of luxurious which was hey i'm super productive like my luxury is that i'm productive because i can save two hours out of the work day to get up do my routine bang get ready for the day but when you're constantly interrupted by something, you're like, okay, well, this isn't luxurious. Maybe I should just go into the office, right? And then you can't <laughs> yeah. go into the office anymore. So you got to adapt somehow uh, by doing that. But I think it's fascinating because kind of hopefully what you hear is that nothing is perfect, right? I think it's kind of what you make out of the mo- make make out of it at the end of the day is you kind of learn the niceties of that cement truck, of that forklift, of that two-hour commute, of the neighbors upstairs stomping around. And sometimes we do that friends thing where we take a broom and bop on the ceiling. But, you know, you can't talk to anybody because it's a global pandemic. I'm not going to go knock on the door. That would be (laughs) be inconsiderate. Uh, But I will knock on the ceiling on occasion. I don't know if they're wrestling up there or something. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't hopefully sound a complaint because what is great is about everywhere I've worked, out of the three or four apartments uh, I've worked from, from your place one time, from your office one time, mm-hmm. it's always great just to, to, to do something different, right? Of, of try a new experience. And sometimes you find that one thing is more productive than the other thing. For example, I found that one of my biggest deterrents from working from home was natural sunlight. Uh, I, I, even today I was sitting in the, the living room uh, with Heather, but she has the blinds closed most of the day. And uh, it's just very dark. And I'm like, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't handle this darkness. It's just no. too much for me. Seattle's dark enough. So I came back into the office and it's just a light. And in fact, I remember one of the key reasons I ended up leaving 
one of the companies I, I, I didn't, I worked for was not only had a great opportunity at Xamarin, but I'd go into the office and it was just very dark every day. And, yeah. uh, I would move to a place that was just super sunshine, the biggest windows, the one looking over the 99 highway. And, and I was like, why am I leaving this beautiful natural <laughs> sunlight every single day and going into darkness in the woods? And it, it was very depressing. So just these different environments can really impact you, which is kind of crazy. So even if you think like, oh, work from home is amazing and this and that, there's, there's all these different things that really can impact you at the end of the day. You know, I'm not a big believer in those color light bulbs and things like that to set the mood, but I am with you when you say the natural sunlight. That's been a big deal for me. I, I've had um, many business partners and friends and a good friend of mine. I'm totally going to throw him under the bus right now, but love you. <laughs> um, he used to really black everything out like he wanted that hacker dark room you know we're, we're doing the mm. codes it should be dark and he would buy like the sun out blinds so, like they like just absolutely no light can get through these um curtains I, I should say big giant like movie theater curtains and i would notice every time i'd go there i'd get a little bit sick and it turned out like they were so powerful that the mold was growing on the back side of them <laughs> because he would just never open it was just like the most you know cavey of cave kind of thing so that was a great lesson to get early in life of never let your apartment get that way so i'm always trying to uh brighten everything up but you know um i was kind of lucky at the beginning of the virus uh cgp gray do you know that youtuber mm -mm, nope Oh, he makes fantastic videos on a variety of topics uh all kind of animated it's cgp gray uh he had a fun one where I forget the title was like, you are a spaceship or your apartment is a spaceship. But he was describing how now that we're all quarantined with the virus, we're all stuck in our houses. How would you uh, operate it as if it were a spaceship? So you have dedicated spaces to this is the space for sleeping. This is the space for entertainment. This is the space for creation. And he kept pounding it in that you should not mix the spaces, you know, mm. do not do the entertainment in the workspace, do not do the entertainment in the sleepy space, you know, don't mix your spaces. Mm. And it kept getting me to thinking, like, I feel like I've been through it all in the working from home. I've done the strict schedule thing. When the virus first came out, I loved uh, it. Was, it was adorable. People are like, here's how you keep a normal schedule during the virus. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's going to last for two weeks. You know, like everything you said earlier, because it's different. And I find that that's the thing that kind of keeps me the most sane is just you can do something for a while, but it's it's going to get on your nerves eventually. And then you got to change it up a little bit. That's why I'm not too afraid of losing this office because it's a change and I'm going to have a whole bunch of extra money every month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have so many things to unpack in what you just said, but uh, before we do that, let's thank our good friends over at sync fusion. Listen, when I'm working from home, I don't got time to mess around building a whole bunch of custom UI components. I just let Sync Fusion do it for me. Sync Fusion has hundreds of thousands of beautiful controls and widgets and all the things that your applications need. Whether you're building a Xamarin application for iOS, Android, or Windows, or a Blazor app, or an ASP.NET, or a Vue, or a React, or a jQuery, or JavaScript, or a Flutter app, anything you want, WinForms, they got it all. They got all the charts, graphs, and all the things that you could possibly need for your applications. In fact, one of my favorite features is all the different file formats and extensions they need. Like they have integrations in Excel, PDF, Word, and even PowerPoint. You just you need PowerPoint in your app, boom. 
Drop that in from SyncFusion. It's beautiful. Where do you go to learn more? Let me tell you. SyncFusion.com slash MergeConflict. You can head there, browse all their beautiful things, download their sample applications, and boom, you're off to the races going. Thanks to our friends over at SyncFusion. Head to SyncFusion.com slash MergeConflict to learn more. All right, Frank. Um, let me think here. Did, did you watch the video in the last two seconds while you were also speaking? No, Frank, I was, I was, I was doing read. the read. I was, you know me, I was, I know this person. I know this. <laughs> I think I know this person. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I didn't watch the video, but I will say this is you're correct. I think on the mixing the spaces, because we've been thinking about how to ensure that, uh, Heather has a good working space. We haven't really done a great uh, job there because she has worked from like the kitchen table or from the couch. And I don't think it's great. I don't think it's good for her back. So we've been thinking in this, this, this week of how can we reconfigure that and, and maybe move her desk? Because again, we need walls to separate us. So what we're going to do is, is move her desk into uh, a different room. Now there is a, a bed there, but we're going to put dividers in between it and see how that works. Give it a trial run. I think you have to be sort of flexible to figure out what spaces work for you. Because one thing that's, that I, uh, is happening right now is that she's, you know, it's still kind of open concept and there's a kitchen there. So whenever I need a water or I need to go get a snack, I'm kind of creeping around the corner. Like, is Heather on a call? Like, can I pop in right now? <laughs> and then if she's not on a call, I want to talk to her, but she's working. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a problem. So, uh, there's, there's all of these other parts to this, this work at home. Once you enter this, either you work at home with another individual or, or, or you're working from home and that, you know, someone else, you know, a roommate is there, right? You know, maybe they're working from home, maybe they're not. How do you engage and interact with that? And so trying to find that own personal space that feels and is your office space where you can detach I believe is very, very important to do. And, you know, we're lucky here. We actually have a different kitchen area. So we could, you know, we, if the bedroom situation doesn't work out because luckily I wake up first about 99% of the time and I can get out of there. Right. So then it's kind of like her space. If that doesn't work, we could always maybe put a divider up that divides part of the, the eating area away. So just move some cabinets out and it's like a separate area to, to put it over there. But I, I think you're right that, that having the dedicated spot where it doesn't feel like you're at home is pretty important. Or it's just a different part of your home so that mentally when you enter that space, it's different. You know, in my pursuit to have the most boring office ever, I really wanted cubicles. Like there were mm. at most three people working there at a time, but I, I just desperately wanted cubicles. I thought it would have made it the most boring office possible. I didn't realize how expensive they are, though. Mm. <laughs> so, But like even today, I have a tiny little apartment and I still kind of want to put a cubicle wall up. So, James, just just put it out there. Cubicles, cubicle walls. Cubicle, cubicle walls are good. That's what I first worked in in Arizona. The only problem Sometimes they have desks attached to them, the expensive they ones. They do. Those are the good ones. <laughs> the only problem I have is we're both on calls all the time. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the stinks. only problem. You, you have like the two studio problem. Yeah. Mm. That's tough. Yeah. I. It's tough enough for me all by myself, <laughs> just dealing yeah. with myself. I can't imagine negotiating, you know, the command structure of the spaceship that you're on. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but one of the ones I... Um, 
I like about the not mixing it is it's also like I don't do any entertainment stuff on my work computer on my main mm. computer. If I want to do any entertainment stuff, I use my TV or an iPad on the couch or something in a physically different room than everything. And as I was saying before, I feel like every system you come up with is going to break down at some point, or at least for me, um, everything becomes old hat at some point. But I think that this separation system is one that I've kind of fallen into semi-naturally. And it was just great having it kind of codified by someone, you know, sometimes it just feels good where you feel like you're getting kind of closer. You're like, I'm not really miserable working from home anymore. I wonder what changed. Did I change? Did the circumstances change? But it was nice to understand also that I had been building up this discipline of don't mix these worlds. Yeah, don't mix the two worlds together as much as you can. Sometimes it's inevitable uh, based on your space, but even a, Especially a cheap, with you, cheap uh, divider. With Twitter, I meant, I'm sorry, like oh. you go on your work computer and Twitter's there. It's like, oh God, mm. like, I should probably start blocking Twitter again on my work computer. This is true. It, that's something that also is quite complicated. Uh, Heather does a great job of this where, yeah, her machines are, she, she, I mean, she got like, because her work issues her a machine it's like here is your machine and yeah. she does a great job of not doing any personal things on there i don't know how she does it but even me i'm just you know, i got i got i got i got edge and chrome and chrome is my my personal stuff and edge is over here i'm like yeah whatever <laughs> oh. um, it's bad i've already messed that but that's up, interesting but. so you are creating spaces yeah so they cross pollination huh yeah i mean it's there yeah. so if i need to do some stuff like oh something's happening i need to order something on amazon I'm like all right sounds good <laughs> but those are micro breaks i think are also very important when you're working from home today at lunch you know uh i used to do this i used to be really good at taking breaks throughout the day when i worked at xamarin because i was very a lot of my job was independent so i i created my own schedule did whatever i needed we didn't have a lot of team meetings and I would go out almost every morning. I'd walk down and get a coffee in the morning. And then I'd go out uh, for a walk at lunch and either get a lunch or walk for a half an hour around the Space Needle area. And it was pretty excellent. Uh, I did that. And then mm -hmm. when I started mm -hmm. to work from home again, most recently, a lot has changed. So I was in more and more meetings. Uh, I was, this is probably what a lot of people are getting Zoom or Teams fatigue, right? Or Skype fatigue or whatever platform you're on. And I'm on calls all the time, just all the day. And I'm a manager, so I'm on even more calls throughout the day. And having a very dedicated, like, hey, I am going to go outside and walk right now and get some sunlight. Put that on your, like, put it on your calendar, right? And block it off is important uh, to do because there's so many days where I would look at my, you know, now my iPhone, but whatever device I had, and you would look at your steps and your steps are <laughs> 20 and you're like, Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> I, I look at my bed, which is 20 feet away. And you're like, uh, it's 6 PM. What happened? And, and this is probably something that's happening to a lot of people. And it definitely has happened to me. So today I'm like, Hey, you know, we ate lunch and often what we do is we'll eat lunch really quick. And then we go right back to work. I was like, yeah, I got, you know, 30 minutes. You want to go walk to the park? So we walked down the park, came back and you know, we'll go do something again tonight. But it's important to try to 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 do that. I don't know. Are you doing that still since you've because you, so here's the thing is you, Frank, had the office, which gave you the commute to actually go outside. So you could have been like, yeah. hey, I'm going to go 
blah, 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 ride my one wheel, get outside, come back, you know, even though you're only doing that four days a month, but are, are you, are you getting out of the house? Have you been impacted now that you're back at home full time? Like, has that altered your work remote, you know, strategy? Yeah. Uh, this all goes back to what I was saying of, I can't do anything consistently like that. So I can't give you one blanket answer. And I think everyone's going through this. That's why I said it was so cute with those people coming up with schedules in the very beginning, because they're going to last two weeks. And then the next thing you come up with is going to last a month. And then the next thing you come up with, maybe it'll last two months, but it'll get boring eventually. You'll do it. So that's all to say that I've been doing everything (laughs) during this whole virus thing my sleep schedule is completely broken at this point Mm -hmm. but i honestly don't care um because i'm still getting plenty of sleep when i actually do manage to go find some sleep uh plus it's afforded me wonderful opportunities like well i'll give examples but what i'm trying to say is like I think it's okay to just be broken. At least if you're a single individual living by themselves, like who who cares about schedules anymore at this point? So one of my favorite things to do is um, I'm usually up by around 6 a.m. And I like to um, go to the park and read a book or I one wheel around the lake. The nice thing is most normal humans aren't awake at 6 a.m. So there's no there are no germ bags out there for me to run into. I'm the only germ bag going around the lake at the time. It's not actually true. Seattle has way too many early risers. Uh, but that's been that's been kind of the most exhilarating schedule that I've had lately. And that, that definitely comes from the office because I was so lucky I could just one wheel on over to the office. And I was missing all my office one wheeling, you know, for the last month or so. And so that's why I just started going around the lake, changing things up. Um, I think, yeah, I think one of the reasons I also liked the office was it did give me schedule regularity. If nothing else, I knew when the concrete trucks stopped. And if the concrete truck stopped, I'm like, well, that was the end of one normal work day. I wonder if, uh, if I should stop my work day now. But now with the virus, time doesn't exist. Who cares? What is time? That's a, that's a very valid point. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I, I, you are right. You know, I, we tried that in the very beginning of work from home is we put a half an hour, 12 to 1230 lunch on both oh, yeah. our calendar. That didn't, that lasted one How day. How long did it last? One day. One day. One day. Yeah, one exactly. Day. <laughs> uh, so now it ends up becoming, you know, hey, you know, what time are you meeting? You wake up and I make coffee and then you know, we both run into each other pre noon. I said, what are your meetings today? And she said, my meetings. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to see each other today. And that's okay too, because yeah, guess what? In normal pre virus <laughs> times, we wouldn't see each other all day either. Right? You, I believe that there's, you have to be okay in some, in some point of just saying like, we're just both working from home and it's okay if we both have different schedules. I think that's a reality of the situation currently. speaking as someone who's single is it really healthy to be around someone all day long that sounds terrible (laughs) so yeah um what am i gonna miss about the office it's you know i don't like working from coffee shops and that's not an option anymore (laughs) maybe not for a little while I'm, i'm actually curious if we'll ever see developers in coffee shops again 
but that was never my thing. So I think my biggest fear about the office was I knew I get, I know that I get bored with everything after three months. So Mm. although working from home has been fine while, you know, the virus has been going on, will I get tired of it? And I have no coffee shop to go to and the parking at the library is too expensive, but that said I could one wheel to the library. I love our library. You should work out of the library, not any coffee shops. That's my recommendation. It's true. It's true. Well, if the, they ever let us in, will it ever open again, James? Probably not. Well, because you, you, in either situation, the biggest issue always arises, whether you're if the if you're at the library or at the coffee shop, which is at some point you will have to use the bathroom, and right, you <laughs> you will have to give up that seat because in 2020. I mean, at least a in Seattle, public, huh? a, public a public restroom. Can you imagine like multiple people are going to use that toilet? And like you got to like pack up all your stuff because I'm not going to ask my neighbor, hey, can you just watch my computer real quick? No. I've done how many I've done that so many times. And I, I and do I, it. Sorry. No, I mean, it just it bothers, I mean, you got to I guess I just trust people like Can you watch this? And they're like, all right. But it's 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 kind of amazing. I, I mean, I want to trust people. Right. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's really the coffee shop that I just can't stand because I'm not even maybe I'm a little worried they're going to steal the laptop. I just feel weird just like leaving an empty seat there or something like that. But the one library I will do it at is um, the university libraries. No one there cares. (laughs) Only nerds are up in the engineering section of the library. So I feel like my stuff is pretty safe uh, at the university libraries, at least. Boy, this thing was a lot of work. And you know, kind of the worst part of all this, um, our dump was a little bit closed when I started and Goodwill was closed when I started. And I mentioned earlier, I have been a pack rat (laughs) for the last 10 years, it seems. I can't believe the amount of stuff that I've run into. It feels like I was moving an entire apartment, moving this office. Just because I always had pretty spacious offices. How luxurious, how lucky of me. And that meant I just kept putting things I didn't want anymore into boxes and keeping those boxes around. So now I am in the terribly unfortunate situation where my spaceship, my house, my apartment has been attacked by boxes. And I feel like a dragon sitting on his hoard of just, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. I'm just, I have stuff coming out of my ears. James, if you need any stuff, come to me first. It's time to offer up. Just head over to the offer up. I downloaded something from, I downloaded the offer up app today and I I sold uh, some stools. Some bar stools and stools. Uh, those kind of stools. Got it. Yep. And uh, bar stools. And, and it, it was weird. I mean, I sell stuff on <laughs> Craigslist all the time, but I feel like doing it in an app. Like Craig feels still, Craigslist feels so uh, old school and natural. It's like, here's this, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to throw shade on Craigslist, but it's not like the most visually pleasing website in the world, but it's not trying to be. And it's exactly what it needs to be. And I downloaded OfferUp because I had a friend that uses it. And I was like, I'm going to post the same thing on Craigslist and OfferUp. And um, I like that all the communication is in the app. But I feel like for you, Frank, since you have so much stuff, it's great because you can just be like, take a photo, click, and it's up, right? Done. What's the price? <laughs> Done. Next, next, next. Uh, that one, that's pretty cool. So there's there's ways of clearing it off and getting rid of it. But I think the nicest part is that you're going to save some money. Frank, that's going to be hopefully a positive out of all this. 
Yeah, <laughs> it is. It definitely is. <laughs> it's funny that that comes up at the very end, but obviously that's a big driver in all this. Seattle never gets cheaper. Turns out, no matter how much of a recession we have, no matter what we do, we can't make this place cheap. Oh, well, I guess. Very um, true. But, <laughs> so I just want to make sure everyone heard you. There's an app called Offer Up. And I've seen these kind of apps before where they're just trying to refine the experience of, you know, ideally what I want, I don't want to negotiate with anyone. I want to just mm. be like, here's a price. And then in one hour, I want the app to notify me, um, Joe or Sally is going to come by and pick it up for $20. And I'll be great. That's all. Mm. <laughs> that's the full interaction I want. So I'm curious if the apps have gotten that good or if there's still a bit of work to do. So I'll tell you this much. There is a button that says... Uh, you can, you say the condition, you give a description. There's a button that says firm on price and you can say firm this on is price. It. I just don't want to deal with it. <laughs> mm. Like I want it to be an eBay, like a one hour eBay basically is, I guess what I'm asking for. Hmm. Do we, do we always end our episodes by designing apps? I think that would, should be a tradition at some point. That's <laughs> true. How I would make this app. <laughs> Well, let's end this episode with a little listener feedback. We scoured our comments on mergeconflict.fm. Yeah, we read them, people. We read them. <laughs> Beware. Uh, <laughs> we, we did that, and we went back into the archives of uh, episode 200, and uh, this was a fun one. I just wanted to address it because you may read the comments and not understand where this was, but uh, Mike Tuhey, uh wrote one, one of his favorite episodes, which I forgot about, talking about your office was when I visited your house, your apartment, and we just talked about robotic pro projects the entire time because that's what we were staring at, which awesome. is fun. It's what the podcast should be. That's all. That's all, all we should ever do. <laughs> robots all the time. But Mike also said, he said, thank you for this show. This is episode 200 uh, years in and I still love it. He said, I learned to live with the GUID number as file names. And do you know that all of our file names are GUIDs, Frank? I had no idea, and I write podcast apps, and I had no idea that you were doing good file names. It's cute. I love it. Well, what if I it's told nerdy. you that I didn't do them in any way? It wasn't me, Frank. It wasn't me. Well, some nerd was involved. That's obvious, because who would ever do a good file name? Our good friend, Dan Benjamin. Ding. Uh, now, I mean, so here's what happened. Funnily enough, every single on my OneDrive, Every single episode is in, there's an episode folder and then it's like episode 203 and then there's an MP3 that says merge conflict one, merge conflict two, merge conflict 200.mp3. They're all beautifully named, Mike. They're mm -hmm. so beautiful. But when I upload them, they become a GUID, so a unique identifier <laughs> in their S3 bucket, obviously. So, uh, you know, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Oh, so actually maybe we should blame S3. This is sounding like an S3 thing. Sounds like an S3 bucket. Now, uh, <laughs> other one that I'll let you clarify. This is from episode 208, the one that just happened. WWDC Detox Plus the DTK Hype. Our good friend James Hutchison says, what is a Bodie? Is it a beer? Ooh. Is it a Seattle thing? What is a Bodie? What is a Bodie? A uh, Bodie is a wonderful beer that I've been obsessed with for the last couple of years. It's short for Bodie Zaffa. B-O-D-H-I Zaffa. <laughs> it's made by a local brewing company here called Georgetown Brewing, and it's in a big orange can. I like it because it's, you know, um, like, well, the Simpsons always had Duff, but, you know, in the 80s, they would have, like, the white can of beer that said beer on it. I kind of think of it that way. It's my, like, very simple branded beer. 
Uh, it's an IPA. It's obnoxiously hoppy. It's obnoxiously alcoholically. <laughs> um, it's honestly kind of gross. It gives me the worst hangovers. Like I always have a headache no matter how many I drink. Um, and yet I keep drinking them. So I believe that they are also um, addictive. Yeah. Should probably have a lawsuit or something. Bodhi's <laughs> uh, is one of my, well, I mean, I like a Manny's pale ale. That's my favorite pale ale. Uh, however, I do love a Bodhi Zaffa because you got me into the Bodhi and initially down in Georgetown brewing, you can do like tastings of like everything. You still oh, yeah. can go get growler fills. Um, but when you go, you will see that the, uh, founders of, uh, great Georgetown sure. mm-hmm. have an addiction with a movie called point break. <gasps> it's a point break beer. Yeah, like half of them are. Besides Manny, there's like Manny and uh, the other person was like the, the founders. But Bodhi, Bodhi is uh, is a character. Really? Yeah. Is Bodhi Zaffa a character? Uh, I think it's just Bodhi. What is the Zaffa part? Okay. Let me see. Point break. Point. Obviously, there should be Wikipedia entries on this thing. There should be. So you go there and they, they actually have like point. There's a bunch of other things that have point break references to it well that's the thing is because uh, you know counter reeves is a johnny utah which is another georgetown oh beer. is it yeah ah. and then bodie is just patrick swayze's character i don't think he goes by bodie zaffa but i'm not sure oh. if maybe that is his name, name. I'm, not, I'm not full yeah. but that, that's where it comes from so. interesting i did not know that what a good lesson mm-hmm. so i think you can get this beer outside of seattle it, it gets uh some kind of distribution but you'll probably have to go to your hipster beer store to yeah. find it yes they but call it's worth it, a... it if you want a little headache in the morning but a really enjoyable time until then <laughs> yeah i think also so rogers is also is roger and manny so rogers was the pilsner manny is the pale ale and then lucille i think is also a point break reference you're just blowing my I'm mind. Not I, I, I know at least Johnny Utah and Bodhi Zaffa are. Uh, I'm not 100% sure of the other ones. So I got to clarify. But they're huge just fans. So a lot of the early brews were, were Point Break references. Then, then we watched Point Break after going on the Georgetown Brewery tour. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny that I say I get annoyed with everything after three months, but that's not true with food. I can eat the same food just over and over constantly. And it got to the point where there was a bar. And as I walked in through the door, the bartender would pour me a Bodhisattva. So Mm. it felt pretty good having that kind of recognition (laughs) and that much uh, consistency in my ordering that I'd even have to ask for a drink as I walked in. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well... Frank, that's it's my uh, recommendation. Did we just do six minutes of <laughs> Georgetown advertisement there? I believe so. Yes. Go uh, support your independent brewer uh, wherever you're in, in the world. Uh, I will crack a Bodie tonight just for you from across awesome. the water. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for tuning in. I hope that you're working from home and it's being awesome. And if you have tips, maybe maybe we have some good ones. Maybe we didn't leave them in the comments. Mergeconflict.fm. You can like write a comment there. You can also give us a review. We haven't had a review since February. It'd be sure be cool if we had one, you know, now just open up that podcast app, write that review button, five stars. People love this. (laughs) That helps other people find this podcast and helps us grow because who knows how Apple filters anything. It's a magical world of mystery, but that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. 
Peace.